Welcome to Prepare to Care, the AARP podcast with resources and tools to support the millions of family caregivers who provide unpaid care to their loved ones. I'm Charlene Hunter-James, your host for this podcast. At AARP, we work hard to provide you with information that betters your life. Today, we have a jam-packed podcast for you. We will address two different topics that impact us all. We're talking to Tricia San Diego, AARP Senior Advisor for Community and State National Affairs Programs, Caregiving and Health. She will offer tips for working caregivers amidst the COVID-19 epidemic. She's talking about companies and what they can do to be more supportive during these difficult times. But before we talk to Ms. San Diego, we're going to be talking scams. Scammers are always thinking of ways to entice victims. It is especially true in times of trouble. We have reached out to the Texas Attorney General's Office for the latest information. Joining us today is Amanda Sanders, Outreach Director for the AG's Office. She'll tell us about the three latest scams in Texas, how to spot them, and what to do to protect yourself. Coming up on Prepare to Care. Ms. Sanders, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. There are several types of scams out there. What are they? Yes, um, common scams that we've seen being reported in Texas and then throughout the nation include, but are not limited to, cyber scams, telephone and text messaging scams, uh, counterfeit product offers, fake door-to-door tests for the coronavirus and other virus-related products. And there's also scam charity donation requests. What are the top three COVID-19 related scams out there now? We are seeing uh, scammers who are trying to steal the federal payments and the loan money from the recently enacted CARES Act um, from the federal government. Scammers are trying to scam individuals um, and also small business owners. Uh, And the third one that we're also seeing is scammers who are going door to door advertising bogus products or services. Um, to go to tell you a little bit more about the federal payment scam, uh, the federal payments and small business loan scam, you may have someone tell you that you can obtain your check from the government or access mm-hmm. one of the small business loans, and then they're going to ask you for personal information, saying it, claiming that they can help you get access to it. Um, they may be asking for your bank uh, routing or account numbers, claiming that they need that in order to get you your relief money. Um, They may send fake emails posing as the Centers for Disease Control of the World Health Organization to steal your personal information. Um, And they may also say that they're going to help you get access to the the small business loan. Um, So those are ones that are going out pretty rampant right now um, to be aware of. Um, And they uh, additionally, they may also use illegal robocalls to call you. They're texting. Scammers are also on social media right now, so beware. If you click a link, you could put yourself at risk for malware on your computer, tablet, or phone. Um, And then third, the door-to-door scams, they may be coming to your door actually offering um, fake home testing kits for the coronavirus. Um, They could also say that they have a claim to cure the virus if you've had it, or they, um, they may offer cleaning products to clean your home from it, and then they'll ask you for credit card or cash payment. Uh, we're saying, you know, it's especially important for senior Texans to be aware of these scams. Uh, scammers often target seniors in general, um, but especially because we've been warned about the effects of this virus on people ages 60 and up. 
uh, scammers are going to prey on you seniors thinking that you may be more willing to accept their bogus offers because you might be more concerned uh, because of the implications of this virus. And that's good advice for everybody as well, not to provide detailed information Absolutely. Um, to people that are not from a credible source. So where can people get information or help? For help, I, I, a couple more points on just how to stay safe and then how to, how to get help if you think that you've been a scam. You know, make sure you know that the federal government should have your information. Um, if you filed your 2018 or 2019 tax returns, they already have the information that they need to get you that money. So you don't, you don't need to do anything. Um, people who aren't uh, required to file a tax return, such as senior citizens or Social Security recipients or railroad retirees, you don't need to do anything to receive your money. Uh, this is on the irs.gov website. Um, if you have not filed your taxes recently, you may need to submit a simple tax return to get your check, but don't give anyone your personal information to, quote, sign up to get your relief check. There's nothing to sign up for. Um, also be aware of email scams. Um, like I said, people pretending to be the IRS asking you to get payment, they're not gonna reach out to you directly. Um, in order to set this up, you would wanna go to irs.gov slash coronavirus. Um, and then also remember um, that you don't need to do this if you filed your 2018 or 2019 tax returns. We know that in the coming weeks, the Treasury is planning to develop an online portal for people to provide their bank information to the IRS. Um, and we know that scammers are trying to take advantage of this lack of detail to trick people into giving them their information to get early access to it. Nobody has early access to this money. So anyone who's claiming that is likely a scammer. Um, and small businesses, if they reach out to you directly claiming that they can assist you um, or access a loan for you, it's likely a scam. You would want to go directly through the Small Business Association. Um, and then more information on their types of financial assistance that they're offering. Small businesses would be at SBA, like smallbusinessassociation.gov. Um, but we're also saying if you come across this to contact our office too, the Texas Attorney General's office, um, at texasattorneygeneral.gov slash consumer dash protection. Um, and you can file a complaint on there or you can call us if you're not sure at 1-800-621-0508. Um, we also recommend reporting to the Federal Trade Commission. Um, you can file a complaint ftc.gov slash complaint or calling 1-877-FTC-HELP, which is 877-382-4357. But all the legitimate information is going to be on legitimate government websites um, and only trust those. So you want to just go over one more time the five signs of a scam. Yes, absolutely. And these are also on our website at texasattorneygeneral.gov. But there are five top signs of a scam. They contacted you. Um, when you contact a business, you know who's on the other end of the line. But if someone's reaching out to you first, you can't be certain that they're telling the truth. Um, you don't know, necessarily know who you are. So we always recommend hanging up, calling back to verify their identity. Um, remember, email addresses, caller ID, those, that information can also be faked. Uh, they will usually dangle the bait, aka the money. Um, People simply just don't give away large sums of money easily. Um, if they're trying to offer this to you, an easy loan or access early access to your paycheck from the government um, for nothing, uh, they're probably lying. Um, if they also ask for your personal and any personal information, anyone who asks for your bank accounts, your social security number, 
any identifying information about you. You should be on alert. Don't give it away quickly or easily, especially to somebody you don't know. Um, this could also be, put you at risk for being a victim of identity theft. Uh, another sign is that you have to pay them first if they're offering you um, employment or, ac again, access to this money from the federal uh, from the federal government or anything you know re required uh, that they're claiming can help you uh, overcome the virus. Uh, first, you have to pay them an upfront free fee to get it. You're probably being scammed. Um, another sign is if you have to wire money or send gift cards. Um, if they're asking you to do that, stop. This is probably a scammer trying to take your money again. Um, and don't also try to scam the scammer. Trying to do that to, or to get revenge, it's a bad idea. You you won't fool them. They're, they're, they're good at what they do. And you may end up getting scammed after all. What is the most helpful information to report on scams? Yes. Um, when reporting, uh, the most, the more information that we have, the better. So think who, what, when, where, why, and how. Take screenshots of the website, um, email, advertisement, link the web page address, any and all details on what was offered to you um, and what they asked of you in order to receive it. Um, include any and all identifying information that you have on the scammer, their name, username, website address, their business name, location, email, phone number. Include any receipts you have, any email correspondence between you and the scammer, timestamps on when and where you saw it. Again, um, you can find more information on scams on our website, texasattorneygeneral.gov. If you're not sure, uh, just give us a call. Um, again, the number is 800-621-0508, and we'd be happy to help. Thank you, Ms. Sanders, for this yeah. valuable information. We will talk to you in two weeks. Be yes, well. Thank you. Thank you. We promised you a jam-packed podcast, and we are delivering. We are now talking caregiving and what employers can do to help their employees. Again, here is Tricia San Diego, AARP Senior Advisor for Community and State National Affair Programs, Caregiving and Health. Ms. San Diego, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me today. First of all, tell us who is a family caregiver? A family caregiver are people very much like you and I. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times family caregivers do not self-identify as family caregivers. What they really are are daughters, husbands, wives, spouses, partners, friends, neighbors, sons. Um, siblings, relatives, a really a family caregiver is anyone who provides care for a loved one, whether that be because of illness or injury or disability or because they just need a little bit of help. It can be helping uh, a loved one with medical tasks or it could be things like transportation, helping them go to appointments or um, providing supplies and food um, or managing finances. So a caregiver is um, anyone who provides care for a loved one. Um, and uh, in fact, there's actually 40 million family caregivers in the U.S. today. And nearly 17% of the U.S. workforce also provides care to parents, siblings, children, relatives, or friends. That's one in six employees. How can companies support their employee caregivers? Yeah, and actually that stat, it's, it's one in six um, employees are providing care for an aging loved one, someone who's older, like an adult. And that is a significant percentage, but when you expand caregiving to include children and childcare and 
providing the whole spectrum of care from child care to elder care, that number, the percentage goes as high up to 73%. And this is even before the current healthcare crisis, it's up to 73% of people um, who are working either full-time or part-time are actually providing care for a loved one and doing their daytime jobs. So it's a lot to juggle. And so we've been really advocating and um, encouraging employers to support their working family caregivers. Um, and now during this um, coronavirus COVID-19 health crisis, we're expecting that even more people are going to be juggling work as well as caring for a loved one um, during this time. And so there's a number of things that employers are doing um, already. And then there's other steps that we think that employers can take to really support family caregivers um, during this time, but then also in general, um, even outside of the crisis, there's um, just supports that employers can provide that can help working family caregivers sort of balance it all. They're sort of our um, backbone of our long-term care system. And so we do need to kind of help and support them. Um, you can do things like offering remote work, particularly now during this time to reduce exposure. It's um, uh, um, it's essential for employers to try to provide teleworking options as much as possible. Um, and then for those that can't go to work, things like um, uh, to go to telework, things like committing to personal safety for employees. So making sure the physical environment is better for them so that people who are on the front lines um, can reduce their exposure and they don't transmit it over to their loved ones at home who they are caring for. Other things like providing paid leave and letting your employees know how they can use it, communicating about that is a real important step um, so that, that that way people who are working um, don't feel obligated to have to work through an illness. You know, if they're ill, they should stay at home and follow um, um, their healthcare provider's instructions and not try to stress out trying to work and, you know, perhaps if, um, essentially also spread, you know, the, the disease to even more people by being out and about. So um, providing things like paid leave can help support that. And then other things is um, informing people managers in the company to be as flexible as possible during this time, um, encouraging staff to use benefits. Um, there are a number of existing benefits that employers provide that might be underutilized. And right now is a great time to use them and take advantage of them. Things like employee assistance programs, the leave that I talked about, any other kind of educational referral resources are all benefits that often employers already have. And now is a good time to see how you could use them. And then other things like um, creating a caregiver community um, um, through a virtual platform, you know, um, having other caregivers speak with each other um, during this time and learn from each other is a great way to share tips and resources. Um, setting a visible example, um, you know, showing that there are senior leaders who are actively in the caregiving role right now um, can really set an example and help influence the culture of the workplace. Um, and then lastly, to really um, um, to ask, I think one thing is just ask, employers can ask their employees, what is it that they need right now that would be helpful to them? Sometimes it could be a very simple thing that employers could easily implement. What does the family's first act mean for families and caregivers? So the family's first coronavirus response act, it's shortened and known as FFCRA, 
It's a, a, an act that was recently passed that requires certain employers to provide their employees with paid sick leave and expanded family and medical leave for specified reasons related to COVID-19. Um, and the provisions were uh, applicable starting April 1st and they go through December 31st. And it basically provides more employee rights for the kind of paid leave that I was discussing that could be very much helpful to family caregivers who are juggling, you know, caring for themselves, trying to um, work and, um, and also trying to care for their loved ones. Now, some caregivers who have family members in nursing care and assisted living facilities are feeling an enormous amount of emotional stress right now, especially because they can't be with their loved ones in person. So what advice do you have to help ease their pain? Yeah, our hearts go out to um, those families because it is really hard being sort of distant from our loved ones, um, especially if you kind of feel like you're out of control, um, it's out of your control and you can't do anything. But there are some steps that you can take to kind of help alleviate sort of the stress that you might feel when you're separated from someone and when visitation and stuff like that is restricted during this time. And of course, all of that are um, things that are taking place really just to help um, increase the safety of your loved one and try to help prevent the spread. I think first and foremost, one thing to do is to communicate with the facility and ask questions. Ask all the questions that you need to help you feel like you have the answers that you need um, to put you at ease. I would say, you know, questions along the lines of, you know, what are kinds of, what are the steps that the facility is taking to spread the infection? What is the staffing situation like? Are they adequately staffed? Do they do all the staff members? Are they trained for this kind of emergency preparedness? Do they have personal protective equipment? Um, another question to ask is, what is the facility doing to help facilitate virtual and telephone visits? Um, we're seeing a lot more social connection through those virtual platforms. And even if um, you know the technology or the devices are not available in the facility, it, even a telephone visit, making sure there's frequent and ongoing communication between the family member and their loved one, and that that can be facilitated by the facility. Um, just to make sure that although we are all social distancing right now, that doesn't mean social isolation. And so it's a, really a way to kind of prevent social isolation and to make sure that that connection is there, that your loved ones know that you're still reachable and available. It's just going to be through a different type of mechanism, such as like a virtual platform or a telephone visit. Um, and then other, other things that you might want to ask the facility is what are they doing um, to keep them active and maybe even like get exercise, what kind of activities can they do safely, um, you know, keeping in mind the sort of social distancing um, requirements, but what can they do within the facility to help residents engage with each other and kind of keep active and keep busy? Are there, you know, card games? I saw sort of like a, a bingo game that was played across the halls and stuff like that. So what are things that they can do to um, keep them engaged and busy and um, not feel socially isolated? What free resources are out there for family caregivers who work? Currently, um, AARP has a website. It's aarp.org slash coronavirus. And that website has all kinds of information about the health crisis, but it definitely has 
some articles and content there for people who are working right now um, and caring for a loved one. Um, it's a lot to juggle. There are people who are probably um, doing multiple roles, um, caring for, let's say, an aging loved one, as well as caring for children who are at home due to school closures. And so it's a lot to juggle right now. And we have some good content there to kind of help people um, juggle and try to maximize if you're teleworking at the same time, how to do all of that. Um, another resource I want to point people to is our employer caregiving site. That is aarp.org slash employer caregiving. And that website provides free tools and resources and content for employers. And so if you're a working family caregiver, this is something you might want to pass along to your um, employer and just say, you know, here's some other things that you could do right now to help support um, the company during this crisis and through any kind of caregiving situations that employees might be going through. And again, that's aarp.org slash employer caregiving. Well, that's about all the time we have. But before we go, what's your last piece of advice for our caregivers listening today? I would just say, you know, be kind to yourself. Um, we're under a lot of pressure right now. I think the whole world is. And so um, do what you can, do the best that you can. Um, thank you for the care that you're giving um, to yourself and to your loved ones. Make sure to make time for yourself and to provide that self-care and um, make sure that you stay safe and stay home. Well, Ms. Sandago, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. As always, if you thought this podcast was helpful or if you have friends or family who are new to caregiving, invite them to follow the Prepare to Care podcast at iTunes, SoundCloud, or at www.aarp.org slash HoustonPTC. Thanks for listening, and as always, thanks for caring.